This is The Kingdom at Hand from Hosanna Free Lutheran Church in St. James, Minnesota. I'm Pastor Joe Faldet. This sermon was preached on Sunday, January 17th, and we're looking again at Luke 2, 22 through 35, seeing what God will teach us there. May God bless you as you hear. Our sermon today is going to be taken from Luke 2, verses 22 through 34. If you'd please rise out of honor of God's word. That's found on page 10 in your worship folder. If you haven't been paying attention and following along. Luke 2, verses 22 through 34. And I read in Jesus' name. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you that you are in our midst as we gather in Jesus' name. We thank you that you have promised that your Holy Spirit will be at work through your word. Lord, we pray that you would use your word in our lives to make us more like Jesus. Lord, that you would show us how to apply these things. Lord, that we might be as you would have us be. Lord, to live out your glory in this world. Father, we ask this for the glory of your name. And in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. One of the I, I've always struggled more so preaching stories than I have preaching like an epistle or a parable, you know, or just some straight up teaching. Because stories, there's so much going on. They're, they're so complex. And there's all of these parts and all of these pieces that are, that are all woven together and interacting. It's like, how do I get a sermon, one sermon out of this? Because you know, I appreciate how many of you brought coffee, but hopefully you're not going to need it that much. Um, you know, this could, we could talk about this stuff for hours. All of the stuff that's going on in this story and all of the interactions going back into the Old Testament, all of these threads being tied together in the, life of, in the lives of Mary and Joseph, Jesus, Simeon, and you know, Anna's right after this. And, and so we have to limit these things. And so as we're looking at these, we're going to be looking at faithfulness and its fruits. 
knowing that there's all sorts of other stuff that could be talked about. But we're going to be looking at the faithfulness of Mary and Joseph. We're going to be looking at the faithfulness of Simeon. And we're going to be looking at God's faithfulness in fulfilling his word and fulfilling his prophecies. And so, first off, as we start, it's Mary and Joseph's faithfulness is a faithfulness to the law. Mary and Joseph here. So why did they come to the temple? And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. So why did Mary and Joseph wind up at the temple that day? It was the right time. Moses had said, in the law of Moses, it was said, this is how much time you have. This is how long it takes to be purified. And so Mary waited for that period of time, and then she went up to the temple to be purified. Mary was Mary and Joseph were living in faithful obedience to the law of God. They were doing as God had called them to do. They were doing as God had commanded. God said, this is the way you do it. And so Mary and Joseph did it that way. They weren't looking for, you know, some prompting from the Lord because this is what God had said. God had already prompted. He prompted in his word. He said, this is what you do. So then what do you do? What God said. Kevin. No. So when uh okay, so Old Test according to the Old Testament law, when a woman gave birth, I don't remember the exact amount, number of days. Um, I'm not that much of a scholar in the Old Testament law. If you want to know that stuff, ask Ken. Um, Forty days. There we go. <laughs> Forty days. Ask Ken. Wow. Praise God. Um, you know? And so it took, there was a 40-day period between when the birth happened and then when the purification was to happen. And so they had to wait that 40 days, and at the end of that 40 days, in order to be ceremonially clean, they had to come to the temple, present an offering, uh, sacrifice, and then Mary would be ceremonially clean. She could then go again to the synagogue. She could go again to worship. And so that was, that's why they were doing this. And that, that was according to the law of Moses. And so Mary and Joseph were just doing as God had called, as God had commanded. They, they weren't doing this for the sake of merit. You know, because why do we obey the law of God? Is it in order to earn favor from God? No. That's what the Jews did. And Jesus condemns them time and time and time again, thinking that if I follow the law of God rightly, then I'll get some, you know, I'll earn my way towards heaven. No, that's a lie of Satan. We don't follow the law of God in order to get merit. It's not even on that scale. Mary and Joseph didn't come to the temple. They weren't faithful to the law of God in order to earn merit. Why do we follow the law of God? Because God knows best, right? He is God. So do you guys have anybody that you really trust? Like that you look to for counsel? Something's going on in your life and you go to, you know, for Emily, that's Maddie. Um, not, not wrong, Emily. Sorry, you're both right in line. And so it's Emily and then Emily. I got to watch that. Um, sorry, Emily. Um, but someone that you really trust. You know, I, I think about um, when it comes to houses and building and selling houses and that sort of stuff, I'll talk to my brother or my sister-in-law or my dad. Why? Well, that's what they do. They know this stuff a lot better than I do. They, they work in those industries. I'm just a pastor. You know, what do I know? 
And so then I look to them and I listen to them. Why? In order to get my sister-in-law to like me more? No. It hasn't worked. No, I'm not. <laughs> we're, in good, we're in good terms. No, but because I trust her. Because she knows best. Because my dad knows best. Because my brother knows best. They know better than I do. And so then why do we obey God? In order to earn merit. No. Because believe it or not, God knows best. That's, that's the long and the short of it. God knows best. God knows how I'm supposed to treat my wife. God knows how I'm supposed to raise my children. God knows how I'm supposed to interact with the government. God knows how I'm supposed to interact with you guys. God knows these things. And God has told us on how to do it. And so why do we do it? Because God knows best. Not in order to earn merit, not in order to earn favor, not in order to make my life better. Because you know what? Sometimes doing what God calls us to do is hard. Living in obedience is sometimes really difficult. But just because something's hard, does that make it bad? No. It's the Holy Spirit who's revealed this stuff, and it's the Holy Spirit who brings it to mind. It's the Holy Spirit who calls it, calls us with all of these things. Sovereignty. Yes, this is, actually, this is another type of sovereignty, Lindy. And so, while I'm preaching, if any of you don't feel comfortable raising your hands, you can always text me because it comes up on my watch. And so, um, and then I can read that and respond. I think my phone number's in here somewhere, too. So, if you need my phone number, you can do that. Not the people online, though. This is later. And so, if you text me, it won't, I won't be able to respond. Um, not on the video. But, so what's going on? What's the Holy Spirit doing? The Holy Spirit is leading and guiding Mary and Joseph through the law. The Holy Spirit is leading and guiding Mary and Joseph through the Word of God. Does the Word of God, does the Holy Spirit only work through my emotional promptings? No. How many times He works through the Word of God? How many times? I, I, I can't even begin to describe how many times in my life things have just gotten so much better simply because I did what God told me to do in his word. That's not why we do them, but that's just reality. And the Holy Spirit leads us and he guides us through his word. And that's important. Because it's not just that his word isn't just some dead thing that, you know, a bunch of dead guys wrote long ago trying to understand God. No. The word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. You know, it, it divides soul and spirit. It, it shows me what my, what my motivations are. It shows me who I am. It, it's, it's guiding in our lives. It's powerful. It's moving. And the Holy Spirit applies it. And it's, it's deep. I'm just constantly amazed at how deep the Word of God is and how big the Word of God is. Even though it's just contained in one book. It, it could be a thing of study forever. We'd never plumb the depths of it. And this is the Word of God. This is how the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us. But is that the only way that the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us? Well, no. It's not. Because then we got Simeon. You know, and it's the contrast here. Mary and Joseph, they're brought to the temple, led to the temple at that time, at that day, through the Word of God. Something written hundreds and hundreds of years earlier. God brought them at the right time through His Word. And then He's speaking to Simeon as well. So the first thing we learn about Simeon is his character. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. 
and the Holy Spirit was upon him. He was righteous and he was devout. So what does that mean? Simeon was a guy that followed the law. He trusted God and he walked with God. He walked in God's ways and he sought God. That's righteous. He's devout. This is what he's given his life to. He's devoted to God. If you're devout, like, um, I've, I used to be a very devout football fan. And then I graduated high school and I kind of fell away from that because I had other things to do, especially after I bought a house, you know, and there's other things to do. And so I ceased being a devout football fan. I'm no longer devoted to that. I don't devote hardly any time to that. You know, we, we pray for the Ewells because for some reason they like the, the Packers. But uh, outside of that, you know, um, and I don't know if you noticed, but they brought Packer napkins in order so that you could defile them when you put food on it. Um, that, I think that's what they were doing uh, because I see all these smudged Packer napkins now. And so they're all defiled. Um, <laughs> but Simeon's devout. He's devoted to God. He's not living for any of this other stuff. He's devoted to God. This is his character. And I'm not saying that this is the reason that the Holy Spirit is upon him. But I'm saying this is Simeon. He stands as an example to us. This is Simeon. Righteous and devout. This is the sort of people that we're called to be. And you know, it's fascinating though that the Holy Spirit, where's the Holy Spirit? Upon. Where's the Holy Spirit for Christians? Within. Simeon's a prophet of old. And even the prophets of old, they only had the Holy Spirit upon them. What promise do we have as Christians? The Holy Spirit lives within us. Think of that vast difference. Think about Samson. The Holy Spirit would come upon Samson. He'd do this miraculous thing. The Holy Spirit's always within us. That doesn't mean that, you know, Kevin's going to be able to tear the gates out of the city and carry them up a hill. Because he's going to manifest himself differently according to his will. But, you know, he's always in us as Christians. He's always calling us. He's always working. And here we see the Holy Spirit prompting. He's waiting for the consolation of Israel. He knew that God was going to fulfill his promises. And so he was looking forward to that time when God was going to fulfill his promises. That's what that means. So this is, this is Simeon. And this, it is important because we're called to emulate these people, these saints of old. You know, this is, people ask, well, what are we going to do? You know, all of the insanity going on in our nation right now. I don't know how many times I've heard people say, well, what are we going to do? Some people have asked me directly. Other people have just spouted it out. What are we going to do? Well, that's not actually all that hard. So what do we do? What do we do when things go crazy in our world? We walk faithful to the Word of God and we walk faithful to God. That's what we do. How do we counteract all this stuff? We walk faithfully with God. And that's, we'd be bold as we talked about in our prayer time that we would be an influence in this world. And then the Holy Spirit prompts Simeon. Simeon didn't come there because he had some sacrifice he had to give. He wasn't being obedient to the word of God at this point. The Holy Spirit said, this is where you need to be. He prompted him. And Simeon was faithful to that prompting. And you know, we're called, have any of you ever been prompted by the Holy Spirit? Yeah. 
You know, I think about Janet teaching piano here. That was the prompting of the Holy Spirit and the blessing that that's been both to Janet and to me because now I get serenaded by a bunch of piano students during the week, and that's kind of fun. I get to meet all, all sorts of wrong notes. Well, you have to play too. I understand. Um, no, I'm joking. She plays way better than I do. Um, I just kind of have that guitar in there to make it look good. Um, but as the Holy Spirit prompts, what are we called to do? We're called to hear. We're called to listen. We're called to obey. You say, well, I don't know if that's the Holy Spirit or not. You know what? You know what Solomon says about that? Let's go back to the Word of God. In the presence of many counselors, wage war. Because that's what we're in. We're in a war, right? There's a spiritual war going on around us. We are church militant. We're not church triumphant. That's glory. That's where we get rest. Here, church militant. So it's like, I don't know if this is the Holy Spirit or not. Because sometimes, I have... I have met people who have committed marital infidelity because they felt prompted. And they prayed about it and they felt peace. Was that the Holy Spirit? No. How do you know the difference? Well, you ask someone that's trustworthy. You ask someone that knows God, who knows the Word of God, because the Holy Spirit will never contradict himself. He won't do it. So it's like, well, I don't know if this is the Holy Spirit or not. You know what? I know godly people who are just a phone call away. One of the reasons that we ended up here was because I thought, you know, my emotions were all in turmoil when Hosanna decided to take this crazy chance and call Kirsten and I here. I still don't know what you guys were thinking. (laughs) You weren't here. (laughs) Not at that point. They were like, okay, yeah. But my emotions were all in turmoil. I didn't know what to do. And, and so I was thinking, you know, since I have such turmoil, I'm, I'm just going to say no. And it was at that time that my pastor felt prompted to give me a call. He's like, I've got to call Joe. He didn't know why he was calling. So what's going on in your life, he asks. And then I, talk, I was able to talk through this with him. And he said, yeah, you're looking at that all wrong. <laughs> I was wrong. How do you know what the Holy Spirit's saying? You know, that's why we have a community of believers. God didn't send you out into this world to be a Christian all alone. God gave us a community of believers so that we can ask one another, you know, I think God's telling me to do this. Does that sound crazy to you? Sometimes someone will say, yeah, you're not looking at that, right? Other times people will say, you know, I think, I think you're right. You know, that's why Lindy's been asking for prayer for this men's retreat or conference or whatever we're trying to set up. And, you know, the men's Bible study that we started up. And, you know, that's why we have these communities. To seek guidance with that. Because it's through those promptings then the Holy Spirit works out these timings that are just perfect. Because it just happened to be at the right time on the right day. Because, you know, how long does it take to, to slaughter a couple of turtle doves? Turtle doves or pigeons? Well, they, either or. One of the two that they brought. You know, they weren't necessarily going to be there all day. God brought them at the right time, in the right way, through different means to work out God's will. Doug. Yeah. Oh, I wasn't planning on it, but no, you're right, Doug. That, that's the cheapest thing, you know, and so this shows you when you obey God, that means you're going to be rich. That's why Mary and Joseph brought turtle doves and, or pigeons. That was... 
How much was a sparrow sold for in the marketplace? Two of them for a penny. You know, like, this is, these are cheap. Mary, this doesn't make, mean your life's going to be easy. This doesn't mean you're going to be rich. This doesn't mean any of that stuff. We don't obey God because of, for any of those reasons. We obey God because he knows best. Because he is wisest. Because then it is best for everybody involved. So God works out that timing as we listen to God, as we follow God, as we follow God's word and as we listen to God's promptings. God works out those things for the glory of his name and for the expansion of his kingdom. Because that's what we're here for, right? Whoops, I don't mean to turn the page. I meant to hit the clicker. And within that then, God brings a blessing. Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. How many of you have ever felt doubt? Any of you? Times, a couple times, somewhere along the line? I have. I have felt significant doubt even when I'm obeying the word of God. Are you sure this is what God wants? Oh, man. Struggles upon struggles sometimes. And Satan is just working, tempting, tempting, tempting. Do you think Mary and Joseph probably struggled with that at all? They had this baby that's supposed to be the son of God, and I, I would bet that when he came out, he probably didn't even glow. <laughs> you know, he was, yeah. But think about that. Think about the doubts. You sure? Things are still hard. Things are still difficult. The Romans are still ruling. Like we haven't, we've seen God's bringing this confirmation upon confirmation upon confirmation. Yes, I'm here. Yes, I'm working. Yes, I'm blessing. Then this dude, Simeon, comes up. Yes, see? God's working in Simeon too. And you know what? That's a great thing because now we know that Mary and Joseph aren't alone in all of this either. This is, again, one of the reasons why we build a church. Why do we grow, seek to strengthen a congregation? Because otherwise, Satan says, you're alone. You're alone and there's nobody with you. You're alone you have to stand here on your own. You're alone. You need to be terrified. You're alone. You're going to fail. You're going to fall. And then here Simeon comes. He knows it too. Simeon knows it too. We're not alone. The Lord's working. Simeon gets to see the promise. Confirmation in Simeon's life. So what happens when Simeon is faithful to God and Mary and Joseph are faithful to God? Confirmation about the working of the Lord. God is active. God is powerful. Think about during the days of Samuel. You know, in our Samuel reading, it said there that the vision of the Lord was not common. You know how long it had been since God had spoken to the people of Israel? 400 years. Talk about not common. Nobody there would have known anybody that had ever heard the voice of God. All they had was the word. 400 years. So that confirmation brings that fellowship. So as we're walking in faithfulness to the Lord, both in his promptings and to his word, both of those things need to go together. I can't say, okay, God, actually, I've done this. I'll confess. I'll be honest. I've done this. I said, all right, God, what do you want me to do? I said, well, you know what to do. It's like, but I don't want to do that. And then my will gets involved in all of this. I don't want, 
You know, but that, that, that idea comes, that thought comes. You know what to do. Well, this is what your word says, but really? I have to do that? We have to go there? We have to push for this? This is going to be hard. This isn't going to be fun. You know what to do. Okay, fine. We don't seek the prompting when we know what God says. I already know what God says in some things. So I don't need to have special revelation. Like, God, my children are really bothering me. What should I do? Raise them up in the fear of the Lord. But I, I just kind of want to go to my shop. <laughs> Can I just have some time? <laughs> You're supposed to be raising your children. Okay. Who am I being obedient to? My own emotions or God? So those things go together. Those promptings and the obedience to the word of God go together. And as each of us is living in those things, then God creates that fellowship around us. Brings us together with other Christians that are seeking him. And that's what we need. And the crazier the world gets, the more we're going to need fellow Christians. Period. The harder things get in our lives, the more we're going to need brothers and sisters in Christ. And I'm not trying to be ominous here. This is just a reality. And so if you're struggling with something, don't do it in isolation. It won't help. It won't oppress people. That's not the way that God made us to be. Because when God brings Christians together, he doesn't just give blessings. He also gives warnings. Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. We're missing a line in that. And the sword shall pierce your heart as well. Oh, that's because I only gave you 34. That was my fault. I apologize. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that the thoughts from many hearts will be revealed. Because God prepares us then for difficulties ahead. So Jesus is going to come, but you know what? He's going to be opposed. This is going to be emotionally difficult to you. And God's going to reveal what's going on in this world. So it's going to be scary. It's going to be scary. You know, and so God prepares Mary in that. God prepares Joseph in all this stuff. God's preparing the way. God's giving these warnings. This isn't going to be prosy. This is going to be hard. Prosy. Nobody uses that word anymore. This isn't going to be easy. This isn't going to be fun. This is going to be hard. Be prepared. Where do we find those warnings? We don't find those warnings in the news. Only the warnings that we find in the news is, Ah! Yeah, that's about what they say. <laughs> no, God says, here's where, the, here's where the struggles are. Be prepared. You know what the great thing about that is? We can then be prepared. We can be prepared. We can build the community. We can build the fellowship. We can build our own souls. We can grow in faithfulness to the Lord. We can cultivate maturity in our own lives. We can seek the Lord in our own lives and in the community of believers. And we can be prepared. 
Because what did Jesus do for Mary when she was, when that sword was piercing her soul? He took John and said, John, you take care of her. She's your mother now. So how does God provide for us? What did God do for Adam when he realized it wasn't good for him to be alone? Created a helper. Created a community. So this is what, because, what do you say, Brian? People need people. So this is what we're called to do. We're called to be faithful, knowing that God will be faithful. So we walk according to God's word. We walk according to God's promptings. Trusting then that God will provide in awesome and miraculous ways. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you that we do not need to fear, but we do need to be prepared. Lord, and so I pray that we would seek you, that we would walk in faithfulness towards you, that we would be righteous and devout, seeking the coming of the Messiah into our world all the more. Just as Luther said, we pray this, thy kingdom come. We pray this so that your kingdom might come into our souls too, unto us as well. The king of heaven come to us. May we be faithful towards you. And we thank you that you are always faithful towards us. In Jesus' name, amen.